Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, thanks Eloise, that's awesome. Look, I've got to be honest, I think the um, worship team was sounding pretty good this morning. Don't you agree? Awesome. So thanks team for spending the time and the energy. They practice those songs just so that they can lead us well with them all. And um, I think they bring us to a wonderful place this morning as we open God's Word and, and um, explore something that I think is sat really close to my heart over the last few weeks. At the beginning of every, of every year, I spend a little bit of time with God, just me and Him, talking about where it is that He wants us as a church to be going. And invariably, something comes to the fore, something comes to the top of my mind about an area within our church life that needs a little bit of love, needs a little bit of attention, needs a little bit of emphasis. And quite different to taking our church in a whole new direction, because I think we're already going in a good direction. Instead, my prayer is, God, what is it that you want us to focus more richly upon? And this is where God took me this, during some of my time on leave uh, at the beginning of this year. He took me to growing deeper. And the question that dropped into my mind around this was simply, does your faith make any difference at all? Does your faith make any difference at all? Because as I journeyed through last year and connected with a stack of you from the life of our congregation, journeyed with our, our life group specifically as well, the, the thing that seemed to keep coming at me was people seeking to explore how it is that faith makes a difference in our everyday life. That I was sitting across the table from other Christians, people that are followers of Jesus, just like me, just like you. But the problem that they were encountering was that they were journeying through life, having the hits, taking the hits that we take as members of humanity. Like it's just because a Christian doesn't mean we're... We have it any better in the sense of the things that happen in many ways. But the, invariably, the thing that I kept encountering was Christians that didn't have anything more to turn to than those that I knew that weren't followers of Jesus. That it didn't seem like their faith was making any difference at all. And, and I wonder, have you ever in recent weeks, recent months, the last couple of years, sat there facing something in your life. It could be anything. It could be sickness. It could be hardship. It could be financial difficulty. It could be relational breakdown. It could be something that's just not going right, not going the way you thought it was. 
would, would go. And you're left sitting there going, I'm not really sure how my faith helps right now. Have you ever had a moment like that? It's a perplexing moment. Because as Christians, we know if you're a follower of Jesus, we would know that we ought not feel that way. Yet sometimes we do. And I'm not disqualified from that. Certainly not. I have moments where I sit there and go, I'm the professional Christian in the life of our church, apparently. And so often I don't have the answers. And I wonder, is this faith making any difference at all? And I've got to tell you that so... If you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, if you're joining us online and you're just sort of pop, popping into the, to the live stream, the question that I know many non-Christians ask when they look at the church, when they look at us as followers of Jesus, is not, does my faith make any difference at all? It does, does that faith make any difference at all? True? They, they want to they look, and this might be your experience, you want to look across at people who are followers of Jesus and see something different about the way that they go through life. You, you're hoping that if, they, if, you, if you, they're going to ask me to give up Sunday morning every week or most weeks, and they're going to ask me to do a whole bunch of stuff, and many people who, who are new to the faith think that, well, it's, if they're going to invite me to give into the life of the community then, and serve in some way, then I, this, ought, this stuff ought to make a difference, right? And so my question for you this morning is, you, does your faith make a, any difference? at all. And if you have moments where you're left wondering about that, you're left perplexed a little, then that's what I want to spend the rest of our time exploring this morning. Because some of us at moments, we might feel like, oh, I wish I had a deeper faith. Some of us, we can look across at at another friend, another follower of Jesus. And we see how they navigate the problems of life and be like, man, I wish I had faith like that. I wish I could take big steps of faith like that. You ever, you got a Christian, anyone got a Christian friend like that? Where you look across at me and you're like, oh man, I wish I could just give up everything like they did that one time. Take a completely changed direction of career. Sell a house and downsize and give the money away. Whatever, whatever your benchmark is for what you think big faith looks like. We've all got someone in our life that looks a little bit like that. Or we're left with the question, why, isn't my, why is my life messed up the way that it is when all of theirs look like they're under control? Does our faith make any difference at all? And I've got to tell you, I get it. I get it. I get this tension that we have within us, you and I. That we've got this Jesus that we want to follow. And sometimes it's hard. And we've got these, these situations that we encounter in our life. And so often we wish we navigated them better than we did. We wish we had more we could turn to than we currently do. So what do we do with that? And that's what it was that God wanted me to hear for us this year, is that the calling for us as a church is not to do more, but the calling for us as a church is to grow deeper. Grow deeper. 
Because we know that the health of a plant is not found in how tall or how wide or how high or how broad it grows. The strength of the plant is determined by how deep the roots go. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but the roots of the tree go first before the branches of the tree. Did you know that? That if you look at the Morton Bay fig out, out the side here, massive tree, nearly as old as this church is. So it's like 120 years old or something like that. Huge tree. And you see the massive canopy. You can see it from space. And you look Google Maps. I zoomed in a little, but you can see it from space. And you do, but what you don't realize is that the canopy of the tree is matched by the root system of the tree. It is a huge root system. Its roots come under the, the building here. We are interlinked now. There's nothing we can do about that. So invariably, the health is determined by the root system. And I believe God's calling us that the health of our, us as a church, the health of your faith personally, is going to be determined not by how busy you are, but how deep the roots go of your life into the one that created you. And so with the rest of our time, I want to look at a parable that Jesus taught about this exact idea. And it's in Luke chapter 8, and it starts in verse 4. And he talks about seed. In fact, rather than explain it to you, I'm just going to read it. How's that sound? Because Jesus was the master teacher, so let's, him, let's let him teach you. Verse 4, it should, there you go. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town after town. He's getting surrounded by people because his ministry is going public. People are starting to notice what's going on, that this guy is different from all the others, all the other people that are proclaimed to be messiahs in the first century. He wasn't the only one. The other healers, the other revolutionaries, this Jesus was different. and He was gathering crowds like they had never seen. And Jesus, in response to the crowds gathering, told them this parable. He said, a farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled underfoot, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some of the seed fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture, they had no root system, they were in rocky ground, there was nowhere for their roots to go. Other seed fell among thorns, among brambles, among other plants, which grew up with it and eventually choked out the plants. But then still, other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than that which was sown. And then he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear the truth that he proclaimed at this moment, let them hear it. This was a common phrase, particularly in and around Jesus' parables, because it goes on to say, 
His disciples asked, what does this parable mean? And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. Why? Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. That's a prophecy fulfilled from Isaiah 6. Jesus teaches in, teaches in parables so that those that want to hear, those that want to understand, those that want to seek, those that want to know more will understand. It's not a mystery, but instead there's something about it that you just need to, your heart needs to be in the right place to be willing to dig into it, to understand what it's talking about. And so what, what is this parable talking about? Well, unlike many of the parables, Luke goes on to record exactly what Jesus said. So rather than me explain it to you, let's hear what Jesus said about it. He said, this is the meaning of the parable. Thanks, Jesus. The seed is the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. The seed is the truth of God. The seed is the revelation about who God is, about what God has done, and all that that means, all the significance of it. And so there's one thing I need you to notice about this, is the seed has nothing to do with you. You have no responsibility over the seed. You cannot control the seed. The seed is entirely God's, and the seed is entirely up to God. So let's just need to notice that as we begin. So the seed is the Word of God. Verse 12, he says, those along the path are the ones who hear. So the seed, the Word of God, the truth about God is scattered upon the path. And they hear it. But then the devil, the enemy, Satanus, the one opposed to the will of God in the world, comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they they never come to believe it. They're never truly saved. And that's a reality, if we're honest, about proclaiming the truth of God into the world, into our current context, that there's always going to be people that are never going to understand, that are never going to appreciate, that are never going to give their life to Jesus. And it might not even be because they don't want to, but because the enemy has decided that he is going to oppose them. And we believe that there isn't just one opportunity to scatter seed, is there? That we, time and time and time again, throughout our life, would seek to scatter seed, to seek to scatter the truth of God into people's lives. And so perhaps there's one, something you need to hear this morning about growing deeper, is don't give up on the people in your life that don't yet have faith. Because whilst this time, or last time, or the time before that, you scattered seed and it was snatched away, snatched away by the enemy in whatever creative way, through skepticism or through a YouTube clip that they read, they, they watched somewhere about why faith is garbage, whatever it is, That was last time. What about this time? What about next time? Every time that you scatter seed, there is a chance that it will land on the hard, rocky soil. But let's keep reading because there's a chance it lands somewhere else. 
those on the rocky ground. Verse 13, this is the second part of the ground, are the ones who receive the Word of God with joy. And when they hear it, they are overjoyed. But the problem is they've got no root system. They believe for a while. They're like a flash in the pan. But in the time of testing, when life gets hard, they fall away. Anyone know a follower of Jesus like that? I do. That they, don't make, make no mistake, they may have been baptised, they may be followers of Jesus, and so, make no mistake, their salvation is secured in heaven. But at the same time, when life got hard, they fell away. And friends, to be honest, that's kind of what's one of the things that's at risk when we talk about this idea of does our faith make any difference at all? Because we know, folks, that when life got hard, they realised they had, there was no depth to their faith, there was nothing to hold on to. And so like my grass at home, that's root system is garbage. As soon as it's a 40-degree day, it is scorched and it is gone. I wonder if you've got grass like that. It's frustrating. It's got no resilience. Do you have resilience in your faith? Jesus goes on to explain that there's two more types of, or the seed landed in two more places. It fell among thorns, brambles. And that stands for those who hear, they believe, their faith grows, there is fruit, but as they go on their way, as they go about their life, they are choked by life's worries, by life's riches, and by life's pleasures, and they never fully mature. Now, friends, if there's, if there's one category here that is most relevant to our 21st century experience, it's got to be this one. It's got to be this one. Because never in the history of the world have there been so many shiny things around to capture our attention. Never has there been more that you could spend your time on. Never has there been more things to capture your attention. We've got devices whose primary purpose is to get your attention and hold it. That's its job. That's why it was made. We like to, they like to tell us it was for convenience, and it is kind of convenient, having a smart device, but it's also got your email on it, which means you get to worry all of the time. It's got a whole bunch of distraction games which steal your time. It's got, a, it's got eBay, Gumtree, Facebook Marketplace, all the places that you can spend money all the time. It's got things like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok, places where you can see someone else's journey and envy it. And all that does is strip the pleasure out of your journey. Friends, if there is anything, where we, any place where we are most at risk in this life, it is when our soil, or the soil of our life, is full of the thorns 
the brambles, the blackberries, the promised little bit of fruit, but under the surface, ouch, thorns everywhere. There's nowhere in this life up till now that I think we've been at such a risk. And so we need to be aware, we need to notice that truth. But Jesus says there's one more place. But the seed that lands in the good soil stands for those with noble and good hearts who hear the Word of God, who retain it, and by persevering produce a crop of fruit. And as he goes on to say, he goes, when he illustrates it to begin with, he says that yielded a crop a hundred times more than that which was sown. That's pretty good. If he's thinking about a... He, Jesus often used agricultural um, analogies, stories. Anyone here in agriculture or historically in agriculture? I know there's a few of you that were, that are, that lectured. Some of you still are. Some of you lectured in agricultural college and stuff like that. When you sow a seed of grain, it grows a head of grain, doesn't it? And that head has more grain in it, more than one, certainly. How many? Does anyone know, roughly? If, like, what's a good head of grain got in it? I got no idea. I think it's about sort of 20 to 30 grain seeds in it, maybe even more. But what Jesus, the illustration Jesus gives here, a hundred times more. For every seed, one hundred times. The illustration is abundant fruit upon fruit upon fruits, a harvest unheard of, is what is possible when the seed lands in good soil. So the question for us this morning, thinking about this idea of growing deeper and all that Jesus talked about is, how good is your soil? How good is it? And it might be different from day to day. I know mine certainly is. Some days it feels like it's rocky and my roots are real shallow. Some days it feels like I'm getting strangled out by the pressures by the distractions, by the things I could be using to spend my time on, all the shiny stuff. But some days, the soil feels real good. And it's those days that feel amazing. God feels this close, this close. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've had days like that. So often, young people describe that, that's the camp experience, the mountaintop experience, where God is just feels so close. The soil is good. So what happens? How do we cultivate the good soil for our life? How do we have more consistent days like this? How do we grow deeper in our faith? paint it more specifically, how do we make sure that our faith is making a difference at all? Because you, you might be going through life saying, yeah, life's pretty good. 
But I've got to ask you, is your faith making a difference in your day-to-day life? Are you content? Are you patient? Are you peaceful? Less easily worried? Or are you anxious, discontented, worried about everything that's going on around you? Are you generous with your finances, your time, your stuff? Or are you more often concerned that there's just never enough in life of anything? Are you loving and active towards others? Or are you grumpy and disgruntled, as if the world owes you something? Are you grateful and joyous about life every day? Or do you feel like somehow you're missing out on something all the time? You're always wondering if there's something else that ought be in your life that isn't yet. Or are you humble and not concerned with your own significance? Or are you consumed by being the center of every room that you find yourself in? Because I think we, somewhere in that list, we can relate to, to our journey in some way, can't we? That list right there is more or less a list the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians when he talked about what is the fruit of a life with God, a life in the Spirit look like? Well, it looks like that. It looks like love and joy and peace and pace and kindness, the goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's what it looks like. So how do we get a life like that? And I've got a suggestion for you. Because I know you're hoping I've got something. Because you're going, Josh, this is depressing for you to bring us to a place where you tell us how inadequate things are and, and we recognize, you know, what's missing. Have you got something for us? Yes, I do. There's something that God drew my attention to this year. And it was, I've been reminded of it and we've kind of done a few things about it. We've talked about it in little, little ways. But God challenged me this year, what if we as a church, as a whole, started looking at the disciplines of the spiritual life in, in a more serious way? And some of you say, well, I don't like discipline, Josh. I said goodbye to that when, my, when my, I moved out of home. That's why I left. But what the spiritual disciplines are, if you're not familiar, is the, the spiritual practices that were, have been handed down through the church for, well, frankly, a couple of millennia now, since the early church first began. There were disciplines that have been done, that have proven across hundreds, thousands of years to help us connect and develop a richer soil. And so you might think that, I don't need all of that. But I might suggest to you that if it's been working for 1,900 years at least, that maybe it could work in your life too. Maybe it could be the answer that you've been looking for. Maybe it could be the next step that offers something for your faith that answers the question of, does faith make any difference at all? Maybe it's something that can help you cultivate the soil in your life. And so over the next little while, we're going to start working through these practices. I'm going to start teaching through them. And to give you a summary of the list that we're going to work through, I'm sure there's heaps of them, 
But there's a list of practices that I'm going to help us work through as a whole church. And we're not going to get through them all this year, by the way, but I feel like this is the next step for us. We're going to look at the Sabbath, the intentional moment of rest in our life. We're going to look at prayer, connecting with God. We're going to look at fasting. That's the one I'm looking forward to least. If I'm honest, I've never done a meaningful fast in my life. I don't even know how I would go about doing that. I want to learn some stuff because I get hungry really easily. But there's something quite rich and meaningful about going without and inviting God to be the one that fills us. Solitude, spending time alone, not with anyone else and not with anything else. Scripture, obviously. Community is another big one. Simplicity, generosity, and hospitality. Lots of big, fancy church words. We're going to work through all of those. But this morning, when we think about growing deeper, when we think about building a faith that looks more like the rich soil than any of the others, that gives us a much higher chance of being able to resist the challenges of life, the brokenness, the distractions, the enemy. I'm going to invite us to begin with one thing, with one thing. And so in, at the beginning of Lent, which is the season of Easter, we're going to be starting some groups that talk specifically about the practice of Sabbath. And you are going to, we are going to journey with them together. And we're going to have a crack at practicing the Sabbath. Have you ever had a Sabbath before? Do you know what it is? Do you know how it works? I do it sometimes, but I want to get better at it. And so I'm excited for Lent. We're going to begin some short-term, some four-week groups where you're going to gather, you're going to learn about what the Sabbath is, and you're going to practice it together and see what a difference it can make. Because I, I think you want to go deeper in your faith. I think you want to have a more robust Christianity than you've experienced up till now. And I do believe that no matter your age, no matter your stage, there's more that God has for you to do. So you might have felt that you've done all of that group stuff. And if I'm honest, I've had conversations with some of you. And your response to me is, I've done the group stuff. I've done Bible studies. I've done all of that. I just want to hang at home. And I get it. But I've got to challenge you on this. Because the question's got to become, is your faith making any difference at all? And if it's not making enough difference that the people around you notice, and if it's not making enough difference that, the, that you care about the people around you that don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you now this morning, you've got some work to do. And I'm not sorry about that. That's the way it is. And so the chat, excuse me, the challenge for us this morning is that if we want to go deeper in faith, if we want to go deeper in our journey with Jesus, then this is where we're going to begin. We're going to begin by learning to rest well. And I've got to tell you, that sounds pretty good to me. Because when I look around at a world of chaos, 
I would love to get some rest. So we're going to learn to do that. So my practical step for you today is there is a QR code on the screen, hopefully. And that QR code is going to sign you up for one of these groups. It's going to give you the opportunity to say a time and a day of the week that's most helpful for you. But it also challenges you to make the time or a day helpful for getting this right. And if you're not willing to, that's fine. But if you're not willing to make the time, then there's only so much I can do from up here to help you. That's the reality of the Christian faith. Because you notice what Jesus said? I'm going to bring you back to, to verse 15. But the seed with good soil stands for those with a noble heart and good heart who hear the word, who retain it. But then here's, here it is. And by persevering, produce a crop. We don't just produce a crop by hanging out. We don't just produce a crop by sitting around. We don't just produce a crop by looking back on what we achieved in our faith journey so far and going, that was pretty good. We produce a crop week upon week, year upon year, by persevering in making sure the soil of our life stays rich. So that's my challenge for you this morning. Welcome to 2023. We're going to go deeper in our journey of faith. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I hope that you could hear something of our hope. Is Our hope is that our faith would make a difference. Our hope is that, and we trust that following Jesus, who created everything, that there is a better way that we can live life to help us journey. And if you want to know more about that hope, I'd love to talk to you about it, because I believe it's the best decision that you could ever make. It's not the end of the journey, but it is the beginning of something wonderful. So let's go deeper together. This QR code's going to be on the screen after the service, and I know you know how to use a QR code. And so I'm going to invite you to do that. And if you can't or if you don't, grab one of the welcome cards, put that on the prayer section that I want to be a part of a group, fill it out, pop it in the offering box. I'd love to receive that as well. But don't leave here without making a step. Because once you hit the car park, it's done. You'll have missed the opportunity. Your heart will be somewhere else. Your heart will be focused on something new, something different, something shiny. Seize the moment, because I believe you're not here by accident. I believe God has got something more for you. Let's pray together, church. Loving God, I give you thanks and praise for your word, the way that it speaks a powerful truth into our hearts. And Lord, we want to have a faith that makes a difference. We want to have a faith that offers something more for our life. God, we want to have a faith that is rich, that is deep, that is robust, 
enough that it can see you through the challenges. It can see you in the hard times. And it can see you carrying us through, lifting us up, providing and making ways through the wilderness when we cannot see a way. Lord, that is a rich faith. That is what we want. And that is the sort of faith we want to be able to live out so that the people around us, the loved ones that we are desperately trying to scatter seed in their life, that they might discover hope in you. We pray that they would see the way that our faith, growing deeper in you, can withstand the challenges of this world, the chaos, the distraction, the brokenness. So, loving God, we pray that you would help us center ourselves on you. Help, give us the courage to take this step. Allow it, give us the grace to receive that challenge that when we thought we were done with this whole life group community thing, that there's something else you want to do. And if we're not dead, we're not done yet. Lord, may we receive that challenge with grace. And may we take a step forward, knowing it will make all the difference in the world. In your name we pray. Amen.